So then when he dispatches the second pilot, he jumps on in the intercom and says, Apologies, ladies and gentlemen, we're suffering a little bit of turbulence here. Hello. All right, mate. What are you doing? I was just uh, awaiting your arrival keenly. By doing Arnie impressions. Hi, I'm Ian. He's Ollie. Hello. Boring. We're both guys. We're <laughs> chatting about film. It's the Guys on Film podcast. Well, what do you want? How else do you want me to to greet you? I mean, that's a uh, bit well, demanding, mate, isn't it? You've gone and ruined your follow up as well by just continuing a grievance and gripe. Anyway, on today's show, we have an interview with uh, director Ben Wheatley from Fee Fire. From uh, what? Fee Fire. Fee Fire full. Fum. I smell the fun. blood of an Englishman. Of a Brightonian. Uh, no, that would be. That would be free fire in cinemas now. <laughs> well, unless you're listening to this podcast in a few weeks or a month or so, then it's probably not. Check your local listings is what I say. Yeah, um, and you've had to do that recently because a film we both wanted to see was not there for you to watch. But we'll talk yeah. about that on the next Arnie-sode. On this episode, yep. we're going to do our life scores up front. Yep. Um, find out what's going on in your life my life and then after that um, we're going to go into a bit of a free fire review a um, bit of chat about the film itself and then listen to the interview that I got with uh, Ben actually today yeah okay um, and then we'll have a little bit of a chat about uh, and then I will critique your about. interview style yeah and I mean that's fine uh, I expect it I think yeah, this is the. Well, I've already is, got some extensive notes. That's fine. I mean, this is the one avenue of um, my existence. I feel that you are well within your rights to have critiquing points on for me, but I do okay. have one comeback on it, which you won't be able to uh, argue me down on. Basically, fine. So, life scores. Life score. How are you? Life score. I'm fine. Thank you. Live score. Out of 10. Live score. Pro- probably like a, a four. So that was the live scores jingle. I uh, hope you yeah. enjoyed that. Well, I mean, I mean, it's been, it's probably getting a bit tired now, isn't it? Yeah, you're going to have to jazz it up. And I Do you know, you. can you remember like when, I don't know, were you a neighbours or a home and away lad? Um... Neighbours, although I occasionally had seen Home and Away as well, but yeah. But do you remember, like, so you'd be you'd be watching Neighbours, and it'd probably be like, you know, ten, eleven months or something like that. You'd be comfortable. You'd be watching it. You'd be coming home from school. You'd be watching it every day. Then one day, one one Monday, just out of the blue, like a bolt out of the blue, what do they go and do? Change the theme tune. But the thing about that is that rather than change the theme tune, they would have just retooled it. Like the layers. Yeah, they would have, it would be more upbeat or there'd be something about it and it would take you quite a while to adjust. Ever so slightly different, more Jaunty, contemporary yeah. instrumentation. They've yeah, gone like, from keytar <laughs> EDM. to guitar. It would put you off. So for the whole episode, you'd just be thinking about how uneasy you feel. You know, how you've just been lulled into this false sense of security with the with the theme tune for like almost a year and then they're just like that a new one you've got to get used to it. but then you do get used to it and i think that that's a valuable uh you know a valuable thing to remember is that you do get used to it so 
So uh, one day we may change the jingle. That's what if, I'm saying. If anything's to be learned from that, it's that Ollie, as an adolescent, was unsettled by the music of neighbors changing. Yeah, uh, doesn't doesn't respond well to change. How's your life score? What's your life score? I'm an eight. You're you're an eight. Yeah. Cocky. You're a cocky eight. <laughs> yeah, and I think people will get that reference later on when they listen to our interview. But, I mean, I don't feel like there are things in my life I need to take that much more seriously. I feel like I'm doing all right. It's a little bit better than a cool original seven, so I think, why not? Let's go eight. So why Explain what is an eight. At the weekend, uh watched the Grand National in the pub. Mm. No, Sickening. Yeah, well, that's the thing, is there was somewhat of a... I don't know, conflict of uh, opinion and maybe conscience um, about the whipping of the horses and stuff like that. But yeah, the, was, uh, the height of the jumps, the stress, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Do you know if any of them died? Yes. Did they? Probably. I'm just going to say every every year. You've just said yes. I don't know. I just feel like maybe now I'm a seven because you're bringing me down. Well, I mean, they're they're not really like designed to endure that kind of so you're, hustle and bustle, are they? I mean, so you're saying that a, you believe in intelligent design? I don't know. I mean, is Dawkins around? Uh, doesn't sound is he like listening. It. Is um, he a fan? Is he subscribed? <laughs> is he giving us a review on iTunes? Um, I look. I just. I mean, I don't want to turn this into a, a grand national ethical podcast but yeah i mean i think it i think it is a bit yeah it's a bit barbaric isn't it it's a bit brutal i don't think we should be don't think we should be making animals uh work that hard for people to win you know 70 odd quid in a sweepstake at at work you're very right with all these points and i do tend to agree with you but the same way that i don't follow a vegetarian diet i don't live by my (laughs) beliefs Right, so you put uh, a bet on and... No, I was, I was convinced to go down to the pub, uh, went out, great company, 20 degree sunshine, hanging out in the in the park over the weekend, it was nice. What else have I been doing? So, um, I watched the film Cold Comes the Night with um, Brian Cranston. Okay. Absolute forgettable, as you would imagine. Pish. It's pish. Uh, I also watched yeah. Cherry 2000, which will be something I discuss in some length. Um, Terry. Cherry 2000. Not, not Terry, not like Terry Venables. Ter- Terry 2000. I mean, we should do that. Yeah. No, I'll talk about that in some length in our dystopian episode. Yeah, so we're doing a dystopian episode because I watched V for Vendetta last night. Yeah. So you'll find out my thoughts on that. Uh, not this episode but the one after sure um, we, we might actually be in a dystopian future by then it feels like we're gradually getting there um, yeah especially if people like myself keep just following horse racing um, yeah we're inching ever closer furlong by furlong <laughs> right uh, okay so yeah I also watched Aftermath the new Arnold Schwarzenegger film uh, I'll also hold off on reviewing that and a later point. Once is you, there anything you can talk about? Once you've actually I mean, seen it, right? Here's the one thing. <laughs> Big negative was today on my phone. I realised that I was looking at an an article that was named "How to Roll Up Your Trousers." 
And right. I just thought, mate, I've just hit fucking rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an all new low. For some reason, I thought, let's check that out. And then as I started looking at it, I just thought, what a fucking twat I am. Um, yeah. But conversely, it's actually sort of worth finding out how to roll up a shirt. There's lots of different ways to do that. Yeah, I think Espec- you've tried to explain it to me before. Especially the 50s way where they put the cigarette carton in the arm. I mean, oh, yes, yeah. but you have to be a real bad boy for that. You need to slick your hair back with engine grease. and. I'd, I'd quite like an Ollie Johnson photo shoot where you're slick back hair and bad boy. Actually, talking about packets of cigarettes. Go on. Um, so I was in the local convenience store earlier and somebody bought some cigarettes, the guy in front of me. Now, I don't know whether you know, but recently the law has changed with regards to buying cigarettes and tobacco products. So now there's no logos, no colour, no nothing on any of the boxes at yep. all. It's just, they're black, right? And it's basically just a gory picture, like a gory medical picture Rip on the front. And legs off. No! You say this at the last. I don't want to miss anything. Anything! No. no. In the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, there's a band called Carcass. Uh-huh. And they and they released two albums. Um, Reek of Putrefaction uh, was one of them. A Symphony of Sickness was the other. And basically, on the front cover, they had a collage of autopsy pictures and just gore and gristle and stuff. And he pulled back the the slider to reveal all these cigarette packets. It just looks horrible. Yeah, horrible. It's it's just it's like looking into the eye of of Sauron. It's just disturbing. I don't. I don't want to see it. It's. It's enough to make you not want to smoke. <laughs> I think that's the intention. So rather than continue on this massive downer, um, yeah, maybe I should just drop in a couple of little notes about aftermath with Arnie. Um, now on, I'm not going to ruin it. I'll talk about my review in in full later on. But I do still wish that. I think I said this in a previous podcast. I kind of just hoped that it would be about him hijacking a plane back from some terrorists. Um, right. I wanted wanted it to be more mental action. Um, okay. And I just want, I don't know, him to somehow find his way back onto a plane, like uh, some sort of like missile that gets fired at the at the jet, and then he sort of like somehow finds his way in mid air refuel. Mid air refuel, like Air Force One, or maybe he yep. just. I don't know. Whatever, but he finds his way on the plane, and then maybe that's just go- not Air Force One. That's uh, you're thinking of the executive decision with oh. Steven Seagal and Kurt Russell. You're absolutely right. And no. also, spoiler alert: Kurt Russell dies very early. So, oh, mate, you couldn't be more wrong. It's Steven Seagal that dies really early. Is it? Can I just get? Can, yeah. Can I just get onto my life score? Because you're just. You're having a right nightmare. Waffling. And just getting stuff wrong. <laughs> sure. What's your life score? <laughs> I'm going to say I'm at an eight as well. So at the weekend, first uh, first wolf run of the year. Went really well. Really enjoyed it. It's good, good, good banter. Good, I know, I know. But so today, <sighs> had to go and watch uh, The Boss Baby. Yeah. So this is a this is a DreamWorks uh, animation. So the people that did Despicable Me and it was really weird. But you it, loved it. It wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. Like I started off hating it, 
Like the first five minutes, I was like, this is unbearable. Like it was just garbage. But then as the film progressed, it, it just got more wacky. And the more wacky it got, like the more tolerable it was. But Ollie, just didn't you have gone down on record on this podcast as having said wacky things. You hate wacky. No, I hate edgy. You've said wacky before as well, I believe. Okay. I know you hate uh, edgy. Everyone knows you hate edgy. So part of the part of the story, you do find this pretty early on, is that um, a company wants to basically make dogs more popular than babies. Thus, meaning that there will be no babies in the future. I like dogs everyone, better than babies. Because everyone will want dogs, so therefore no babies, right? Mm-hmm. Now, have you seen the film Children of Men? Mm-hmm. What happens in that? Um, no babies. Yeah, but he's he's got that baby that he's running about with. There's, there's, a, that, there's, yeah, that but there's one only baby. one. There is that one, but what I'm saying is, is the boss baby could be a prequel to Children of Men. You could watch them back to back and it would be a thematic double bill. <laughs> okay. So what's Let's your score on. for uh, Boss Baby? It was better than... It's like six and a half or something. It was better than... I was dreading it. It was either that or Smurfs 3 or something, The Lost Village. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so I think I looked out. I think, I think it was actually better than I thought it would be so more, uh, more importantly what did your children think of it brilliant they like, loved it loved it yeah yeah did they okay well yeah. fair enough um, what was that film that had Clive Owen in it that wasn't uh, Children of Men but he also still had a baby and Monica Bellucci was like breastfeeding it or something shoot him up oh, yeah absolute fucking garbage okay that's life scores Guys on Bill. Yeah, but guys, we're talking about Bill. It's the Guys on Bill podcast for real. You know what guys talk about Bill. It's the Guys on Bill podcast for real. Alright, so shall we talk free fire? Are you ready? Are you still out of breath? I'm pretty out of breath. Yeah, okay, cool. So uh Free Fire, so we've both seen it. So this yep. is by uh Ben Ben Wheatley and um so, first film that I've seen of his was Kill List. Have you seen that one? I have, but I saw it probably about five or six years ago, and I've been Same. meaning I've been meaning to rewatch it um, because it's actually on Netflix. So I will do well, soon. But you love it, don't you? Just yeah. Just before we jump in to uh, Free Fire, I just wanted to quickly mention that because I tell you for why. The first time I watched Kill List. I was loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it like that. And then the last 15 minutes is one of these kind of got a real twist, like from Dust Till Dawn or or Don't Look Now or something like that, where you, you kind of don't see it coming and it just twists on its head like straight away. It kind of builds up like a a hitman movie and it's it's quite sinister and it's pretty slow burn and everything it's very brutal yeah. i mean you should read you should read the parents guide on it it's uh <laughs> I thought you, could say you should read the book yeah uh, the the parents guide on imdb really you know there's it's, four uses of the c word it's it's an eye opener it's an eye watering read so it, it kind of i wasn't prepared for where the end of the film was going to take me so now you said I, that I it twists of, on its head what else twists yeah. on its head uh, a b-boy <laughs> what 
a, a break dancer. Oh, okay, okay, sure. That twists on its head. That does indeed. Yes, that does. So it really like does like a, a 180 at the end on its head. On its head, and and it threw me out of the film, and I was just like, oh, I don't know whether I like that. It kind of. It, so it goes from like a hitman film to like a very sinister, like pagan, wicker man-esque style thing. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you should have seen it by now, so this is not spoilers. Ultimately, I, I kind of was too confused to have an opinion. But the second... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, yep, sorry. But basically, it's it's one of these films that, that really needs a second watch. Like, you you need to watch it that second time to kind of see that actually like the ramp up isn't as instantaneous as it feels the first time there's the signals all the way through and how sort of sinister it is and but it's a real it's a real good like descent into like something really sinister and and horrible and it's pretty like lingering dread afterwards i really like that film but it's it's one of them that that takes a second watch in order to have an opinion because first time round you're just going to be too confused to have one well, that's just me, isn't it? I mean, this is just me talking. Maybe a lot of people first on this are like, oh, "I'll get it," you know, fine. But I needed, I needed a, another one. But now, yeah, I highly. I may have mentioned it before, but yeah, highly, highly rated. So since then, I've always kept a keen eye. Yeah, kept a keen eye. So we've both seen Free Fire now. What's yeah. your take-home thoughts that you took home? Yeah, so I I enjoyed it actually, and. If anything, this is probably like a bit, a little bit of a twist on the usual type type of film that I would like and the type of film that you would like. I think yeah. I more strongly enjoyed it than you did, even though I like uh, gut instinct looking at the trailers and the advertising for it and stuff. I would have thought this sat more firmly in your sort of uh, ideal film or sort of the type of thing that you're well, into. Well, actually, here's the thing with the trailers because hmm. I didn't know anything about the film until. It was upon me, um, literally on top of me. I wasn't expecting a film to be all in one place, and I thought the trailer was kind of like this new, this new kind of way of revealing a film just with like one scene. Yeah, I, I didn't realise. I didn't I realise the whole film was. Yeah. Yeah, I can get that because quite a lot of films are doing that thing where they give you like a, a thirty or forty second unedited like thing of just one scene or something like that. Like you saw that with alien covenant there was like pretty much a full scene release and also that's what made me want to go and see the film life as well because when when i went to see get out they had like a three minute scene from within the film and that really sold it to me that actually i'm well up for this well up for this film now more than a trailer did so one of my main points is actually kind of uh related is that with 10 characters i don't i I never had any expectation that was going to paint every one of them in huge depth i felt like seeing the trailer and then seeing some of how the marketing was done for it i was like okay well all of them have got seemingly an equal pegging equal footing and what's going to go on here so i don't expect this to be like the journey of any one of these people and i actually personally thought like the setup was enough to get the tone of each character to the point that whenever something unfolded in front of them you kind of had enough perspective to know what their point of view was going to be when it happened um and whose side they were going to be on who, or you just, know, who they were going to potentially double cross i guess yeah a little bit like that i think like you didn't need to go way deep into somebody's background or like what you know what they were all about to know 
kind of the way that their allegiances might go. Um, and yeah. I think that was fine. And I think um, one of the things was that in the marketing for it, there was this um, sort of, there were these profile images that were every character with like a different colored target in front of their chest. Um, yeah. And I felt like that was a way of like introducing them before you ever even saw the film. Um and it's kind of done in a way to try and make them iconic. I think that's probably the thing, me going into it thinking, I don't know if I'm really going to be into this because it feels a little bit Tarantino-esque. Um, but where I, I know thought... what you think about him. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think where Ben Wheatley's kind of not gone that far is that he hasn't gone as extensive or over the top as like freeze framing like Tarantino does when he's like kind of um, taking off the good, the bad and the ugly or something like that um, to almost yeah. like have a character profile freeze frame in film. Um, although I don't think that would be like out of character to have done that in this film. Um, yeah. So I thought, it, I thought actually like the characters were great. I thought they all had something interesting to do on screen. Um, I think in terms of narrative, it's pretty much as light as you can go, really. Like, it's kind of the evolution of one moment, and it's all yeah. kind of pretty much acted out. I don't know if it's real time, but it's pretty much just like... Yeah, I, think it, I think it pretty much it pretty much is, yeah. It's like, yeah. A, it's like a real time it as it happens. Full unfolds, yeah. Do you remember a time when that was, that was actually... There was, what, there was a film called The Nick of Time, and it, it had Johnny Depp in it. Right. And it was like, as it played out, real time. Like the TV series 24, selling it as a gimmick, whereas, you know, a lot of films are just in real time anyway and don't need to... <laughs> like, minute by minute, second by second, real time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, in, in the case of The Nick of Time, do you need a time knife to get that hour and a half back? Or was it actually quite good? Uh, it was... It was... Uh, not one that I have ever felt like remembering up until this very moment. <laughs> so gonna need a time knife. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, in terms of narrative, like I liked the way that it unfolded. I I didn't expect more depth or like sort of um, arc particularly to it. I just liked watching it unfold. A uh, couple of gripes that I have are. Now, I don't know if this is just me. Uh, I, like, have to wear glasses to see distance. I can, like, read and uh, my um, close-range sight's absolutely fine, but in the cinema, I wear glasses. And the screen that yeah. I was at was massive, right? Right. Um, it wasn't, like, an IMAX or something like that, but it filled all of everything I could see in front of me, pretty much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't know like, why I find that so funny. It, it filled almost everything I could see in front of me. Yeah. Ah, uh, can't see anywhere else. Oh, turned right. There it is. That's the person next to me. Um, now, my point here is I actually was conscious in the film that I might have preferred to have watched the film on a TV at home because I think with the context of like everything in frame, I would have been able to follow the action a little bit better. I feel like... That doesn't make any sense to me. When... Explain more. Okay, so I think that the fast cutting and then also not shaky cam, but moving a camera from one position to another so rapidly that the things in between are just unclear, right? feel like maybe that was the point, but too often I found myself kind of 
so unclear on what was going on that it was kind of like uh, blowing my mind a little bit. The other thing as well was just there's quite a lot of crawling. <laughs> because very rapidly everyone ended up being like uh, shot. Yeah. So, I mean... It was, but that, that it was kind realistic. of makes sense, obviously, because, you know, if, if one person was roaming around, then... You know, everyone had that wound, didn't they? It kind of leveled the playing field. I know. I, I all I mean is, you know, it. There was a lot of crawling. That's all. There's some great deaths, though. I thought there's some yeah, the, really good death. The car one. Oh yes. And the um, surprise end one. And the yeah. uh, Bernie one. Yeah. All good ones. Bernie. Ber- yeah. Bernie Sanders one. Bernie turns up. <laughs> So I've I've got I've got one point. Um, Go so, on. And, and I guess this is maybe a little bit to do with your your gripe. Even though I still argue that I didn't find that at all. I thought the action was the the geography of the action was was good. So you knew that there was the van, there was the low cinder blocks, there was you know you, the staircase. I always felt like I was very Grounded. well orientated. Yeah, I never felt lost. Even for a single second, I knew where everybody was, and I knew where they ha- how they had to go. So that was so, fine, and it so was all kind of around the edges. You you were so grounded in the geography of the the uh, film that you would not have left it conf- so confused that you didn't have an opinion. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, so one of the you can do it, Holly. Te- you can get this point out. You can do it. Okay, okay. So one of the emerging technologies at the moment is virtual reality. What's now, that? I'm. This is where you put. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. Please continue. Well, this is where you put goggles on your face so you can see all around you, and you, you know, and then people can be doing anything they want in front of you because you can no longer see the real world. So they could, they could be mooning you. They could be <laughs> doing worse. You could be getting a front moon off somebody, and like a bombing or worse. Yeah. So. Basically, I've seen these like adverts for films where they're they're like virtual reality, three sixty view things, and there was one for the Exorcist TV program. It was all set in this basement or 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 so loft deep. or whatever, and there was like curtains and there was noises happening, and basically, I missed every single scare and cue because I was looking in the wrong place. Now, okay. what I'm saying is, is I find it hard to see that virtual reality is ever gonna replace um cinema so i think i think one thing is the messaging from people who are trying to push virtual reality as as some kind of film experience out needs to needs to sort of treat it as theater versus cinema that it's a different experience you're not trying to do the same as cinema because i don't think you can do it you can't I can't have the same eye as Ben Wheatley or Martin Scorsese or someone. My my looking in a in a space isn't going to have the same effect of the editing and the camera angles and things like that. I'm, I'm basically just going to be looking around the world, missing all the cues, like I've, like I've done practically every single time. But I think a, a, a film like what I'm saying is I think a film like Free Fire, if condensed into like a short kind of short story. Mm. actually could work quite well as something that you might experience in a virtual reality setting that you could be an onlooker onto this unfolding scene. Yeah, you, uh, I think that's the kind of 
bedded right into the middle of like the warehouse, basically, and watching yeah. things unfold in front of you. I don't think people should be uh, trying to make VR the new cinema. They should be trying to make it its own thing. That's what I'm saying. Okay, well, on that point, interestingly enough, uh, the crossover of mediums is probably like the the main thrust of the conversation that I have with uh, Ben now. So we should probably go to that. So, like, just for um, a little bit of uh, explanation about it. So I talked to him. I talked to him about games because obviously you and I work in video games. Talked to him a little bit about that. But the reason it all kind of came. I'm to a happen, virtual shopkeeper. Yes, you are indeed. Um, <laughs> clocking in the hours um, yeah, before different. returning to your real life. So yeah, I basically went to see uh, Free Fire at Q&A in Hackney Picture House and caught him afterwards and he very kindly offered to do an interview at a later point and managed to chat to him today. So Roll tape. This is it. So, uh, right now I have director of Free Fire, Ben Wheatley, with me. Hi, Ben. Hello. Um, So, firstly, I wanted to uh, ask a couple of things about video games. So, we uh, read in Little White Lies that you're um, looking to um, work on an adaptation of Gauntlet sometime soon. Um, So, we're just wondering, do you have any particular thoughts about... Um, game adaptations of mo- um, game adaptations making their way to movies in general, and sort of some of the trickiness of of doing that type of thing. Um, yeah, well, I think modern games are quite hard to adapt because a lot of our experience of them is interactive, and it's almost like real. The things that we like about games are more like memories, aren't they, rather than the actual stories themselves. And I've got a lot of kind of weird game memories of playing stuff like Half-Life and um, Doom and things like that, which which can't really be replicated in film uh, because it's it's non-linear, you know, and it's a lot of and a lot of game itself, game experience, certainly story-based games are a lot of waiting and moving around and anticipation and, and tension um, over a long period of time. Um, which is hard to replicate in film, and then a lot of the combat is kind of repetitive, isn't it, in games, which is which is enjoyable in games, but not really enjoyable in films. So I think that's where people come unstuck. I think the, the simpler games are, are different. You know, they're kind of, they're, they set out worlds which you then can explore, which is, you know, which might be a different thing. But I think it's very difficult to kind of capture the game experience per se. Yeah, and actually... Um you you mentioned uh, at the Q and A about Free Fire that um, the sort of going into cover and that sort of thing. You did try and get some of that across uh, in the movie, but as you say, like the emergent narrative of like picking your moment and that sort of thing is often quite hard to get over because um, film is much yeah. more tied to sort of like linear narrative and sort of story arc, as it were. Yeah, I mean, um, my favourite game at the moment is Rust. I don't know if you play that. I haven't actually, no. It's pretty amazing, you know, and it's just, that is just like a story machine, you know, there's no, there's no events in it per se, but it's just, you just wander around and things happen to you. They sort of unravel in front of you, sort of thing. Yeah, 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 I mean, it's, it's about as kind of branching and dynamic as you can get, but I've had some incredible stuff in that, you know. Um, and, and it's almost like you would go and play a game like Rust and then think about a story within that 
and then go away and be inspired to write something rather than try and replicate the game. Yeah, that's the thing. Is I, I personally think some of the reasons that um, movies have failed in the past is because the games that they've tried to go after are ones where there's such a strong particular narrative and you know like there's expectations that this character should do this or like no they would never do that i i know what happened when they were in the game i think there's too many restrictions for a director to pick some stuff up that's got really sort of deep narrative that people have expectations for i'm not sure though that that's i mean i think it's that the the pleasures that you get from a game are different from the pleasures you get from a film because on the surface of most games they're only their actual plots are cribbed from general culture aren't they you know so they'll 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 be they'll when you strip away the game enjoyment of it what you're left with is the stuff that they nick from films in the first place and yeah. then you've just got a kind of a version of you know of a film through the filter of a game you know and i think that's a different a very different experience from from what the game offers which is to drop you into the film yeah to a degree um have you got any um have you got any favorite movies that have uh, adapted a game already have you got any that you actually thought kind of made a good job of it um well perversely i kind of like the the um mario brothers one the yeah the the original one i didn't think that was that i guess a really bad rap that but it's pretty good and uh, you know and it's the guys who did um it was a husband and wife team i think isn't it and they did uh max headroom yeah. So it's, there's some really interesting stuff in that one, but people really slag it off. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I like that, and and I like um, Warcraft as well. Yeah, um, Warcraft did a pretty good job from um, all accounts, I believe. Like it actually seemed relatively believable, and I think um, that was the expectation. Was Duncan Jones was probably going to do a pretty good job of it? I think. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that one was more about what your if you don't like those kinds of movies, if you don't like orcs and you don't like that kind of faux medieval fantasy world, then you're going to hate it. But if you do like that stuff, you can stomach it, then it's kind of a movie you can really enjoy, you know, if you get into the the, the, the kind of proper silliness of it. But I think some of the, the, some of the CG in it was really amazing as well, you know. Um, one last games-related question. In Gauntlet, can people expect to see um, fully cooked roast dinners? Yes, of course, because <laughs> that would be madness if you didn't do that. <laughs> uh, okay. a really, Gauntlet's a tricky one because, it, again, it's another one that sits on top of a load of other, you know, um, uh, styles and, you know, and kind of already known material. Yeah, pulls but, from but, lots of places already, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I, what, I, what I really wanted to do was do something set in, in tunnels and, and kind of... I love that kind of dungeon crawling yeah. idea. And you don't see enough stuff like that, which is basically trips and traps and then kind of moving from space to space and fighting creatures and, and having a, a quest. I mean, quests seem to be, the, the, you know, that kind of basic idea of, of heroes going on a quest and having to succeed at something in a very difficult, magical environment doesn't seem to be something that's done anymore. Um, and even on the Lord of the Rings movies, it was a quite—it's a quite a spread out, disparate version of that, isn't it? It's not. There's not like a kind of takes them a whole movie just to get to the point where someone tells them what to do, really. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's yeah. That's that is the thing. Ollie has actually mentioned in the past that he always thought that the goal was really clear in the uh, Lord of the Rings films, but. 
personally, I always kind of th- found exactly what you said, which is kind of it's so sort of dragged out that you kind of do lose. I certainly lost the sense of where they were supposed to be heading. I mean, I know they were after a ring, but it kind of yeah. uh, got got dragged out like that. Well, they had the ring. <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> They had it already, but they had to get rid of it, which is a kind of an anti-quest, isn't it? But, I mean, I, I, will, I, will, I would rather have it something like the fighting fantasy books, like Death Trap Dungeon or one of those kinds of Ian Livingston-style things where you know what, you know, you, you start off in a tavern, you get a mission, and then you go and do it, and then, then the twist and turns on the way. I mean, it's more like um, the kind of fantasy movies you would get in the 80s, only just not crap. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've recently been doing Arnold Schwarzenegger episodes, so we've covered uh, Conan and Red Sonja a little bit. So um, those, yeah, well, that's a good, that's a great one, isn't it? I mean, but that's that's the kind of mad genius of John Milius, isn't it, behind Conan? So you get all that that and you know that fantastic start where you just set out the character completely. There's no quibbling with it, is there? It's just they just you know, go from one nighttime campfire to the next. <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm going to move on to our um, five sort of boilerplate questions. So it should be pretty quick fire. What was the last movie that you saw? Oh, that I saw. Um, oh, Howard's Way. And did you enjoy it? Uh, no. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Quick fire is fine. No, uh, it's Howard's End. Oh, shit. No, I've got done that completely wrong. Howard's Way is a TV show about boat building. Howard's <laughs> <laughs> that that End. Are you a boat uh, building enthusiast? Helen, yeah, it's Helen the Bottom Carter. <laughs> Being winsome. I didn't get through it, no. Uh, okay, what in, uh, on uh, the converse of that then, what's your favourite movie of all time? Um, uh, well, that's not an easy question. I mean, I've got movies I watch a lot. Yeah, I'm kind of the same, to be honest. Um, what what are some that might sit in your sort of top five or thereabouts? Well, I, I watch Blade Runner a lot. Yeah, I've always liked watching Blade Runner, and um, and I watched The Terminator again for the hundredth millionth time, like about five days ago. So yep. that's a, that to me is a perfect film in many ways. Those uh, those two sit in my list as well, and also in our Arnold Schwarzenegger episode recently, Ollie challenged me to get all sixteen of the lines that Arnie actually says in the film, and I pretty much managed all of them. So, what, including the ones that when he's the the mum? Yeah, because um, they don't count officially as lines, do they? I was reading. Yeah, because it's not in his voice. Yeah, because yeah. th- then he turns that off and then says, "What is your address there?" And then, uh, <laughs> then he gets told. What's the weapon? Go. What's the weapon that he asked for that he's not allowed to have? Phased plasma rifle in the forty watt range. Yeah, see, I can't. <laughs> I never get that right. I go for sixty watt. <laughs> uh, okay, popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Um, and also, we have a thing on the show where. Um, we ask ask each other what our life score is. So every week we've got a score out of ten for where we're at. So, what's your life score right now? Oh, I don't know, six. Oh, really? Uh, so I I don't know. You have no context for whether that's high or low, but I, I mean, like, yeah. t- ten's Disneyland. So I think six is fair. But um, yeah, yeah. And, and I any- think I think like anything higher than seven is smug, isn't it? <laughs> then I'm I'm pretty much perma smug. Then I'm always sitting yeah. at about an eight. <laughs> I'm just 
Yeah, exactly. Why? Why do you think you're doing so well? You're missing the point. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I'm not taking things seriously enough. Um, cool. And then we have like a wild card question. So uh, just to keep this related to our main topic, if you could wake up tomorrow in a video game, which one would it be? Okay, I don't know Lords of, of Midnight. I feel really undereducated in games, even though I've been working. You're going to have to look it up now. Okay, uh, <laughs> is there any is there any particular reason for that? Um, because if it's towards the end, you're probably winning, <laughs> and, then, and then then it's probably going to be all right. Okay, but towards the start would be a horrible place because it's quite brutal at the beginning. Okay. I'm definitely going to check it out now since I feel massively undereducated in my it's own a industry. Spectrum, a Spectrum game, so it's kind of it's, uh, it's a wee it's bit before good, my generation. Then maybe there you go. Maybe yeah, not I've always. Been, I've, been, <laughs> I've been playing since Pong. <laughs> <laughs> so is Ollie. Um, Ollie is 102. Uh, <laughs> in video game years, that's, yeah. That's a long time. Uh, cool. Thank you very much for your time, Ben. Thanks for uh, chatting to us. Cheers, in. Okay. First things first, uh, so I've got, you can hear the paper, got some notes. It was a good intro. It's a professional intro for me. And, and are you essentially going to say that it went downhill for me from there? Um, there's a there's a couple of moments that I'm going to pick you up on, but uh, <laughs> I mean, how do you, how do you think it how do you think it went? I mean, this is your second uh, second interview. First one being Alice Lowe. Uh huh. Um, and they've obviously worked together as well on Sightseers. Yeah. Um, um. So common theme. So how how do you do you think you've improved as um, an interviewer? Not necessarily. Um. No. Have you found your voice yet? No. Um, how I feel it went was I feel like the question what's your favourite movie and also my my last question of if you could wake up in a video game what one would it be essentially just a good question. essentially just offer people the chance to bring up something that you know nothing about yeah that's <laughs> and, fine and I think that's basically been my downfall on both occasions but at least I had the uh, the good manners to just say no. I don't know yeah, what you're fine. talking about. You didn't That's pretend. fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just sort of going back to the start. So what? What's? Um, there's a couple of points. So I I agree that um, in video games. So you're having an experience, and it's it's very difficult for a film to capture the experiences that you have and the stories that you have because. You know they're, you know, in certain games they're very unique, um, and the so the game that he mentioned uh, called Rust uh-huh. is like, um, so it's kind of like a survival game where you go around scavenging for items and building scavenging. weapons. Yeah. scrumping. You go scrumping guns. Scavenging. <laughs> yeah. You said you said scavenging. Yeah, scrumping guns and just uh, change the know, word scavenging yeah there you go okay so you basically go doing that so so the the stories that you get (laughs) aren't going to be the same as as the stories that other people have they're all going to be you know different things that you've done you've attacked things in a different way and 
you know, to have a, a film do that is 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 fairly difficult. But there's so there's one there's one good video that's that's worth checking out. It's and I, I imagine maybe Ben may have seen it, but there's a so basically I'm not sure whether you permanently die in rust, but it, it could I guess it could happen. Um so there's some people hold up in this in this house uh, in this little hut thing that I guess they've built and um a dude knocks on the door and he's he's basically sort of says uh can I come in uh, can you please give me some clothes or some food um I've just been attacked by this guy up on the hill and and basically th- there becomes this moment where they decide whether they are going to trust him or not and give him the food and the clothes and stuff like that and uh and basically after a little bit of back and forward and proving that you know he's a good egg and he's not going to do anything bad they open the door and literally as soon as they go to give him some clothes he whips out an AK47 and guns them all down and it's just uh it's it's a it's a brutal moment mm. but those sort of stories you you know you it'd be hard to kind of hard to get those things across in a film how difficult it is because obviously you've spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours building these resources and characters and your attachment to them is different from anything that you could get in say 90 minutes yeah. of film yeah i say different not more or less important than but yeah um, it's just different. different yeah sure um okay i i agree i i always find that I think he made a very good point at the start, which was kind of the essence of like a, a paper that I wrote when I was in uni, which was like games. You keep banging on about it, yeah. Games basically stole from film, right? And yep. his point was, without the gameplay, all you're left with is like the kind of scrappy shit bits of films, like basically like the iconic things that people thought looked cool. Um, yeah pulled into games without any of the gamification of it are basically like a poor man's version of a movie. Um, yeah. So if Metal Gear Solid, all you have is the stuff that rips off James Bond and uh, Carpenter and Escape from New York and stuff like that, then yeah. all you've got left is kind of a hodgepodge of those things. But it's the stealth yeah. gameplay and the sort of investment in, in the character over time. And seeing what you can do and how many different ways you can attack a, a different a level in a in a completely different way is is you know what makes it different but that is the thing that you can't massively translate over to film so uh i, I did actually see the other day that they're they're thinking of making a shadow of the colossus um film which is one of my favorite games but i think if you actually sort of take away the gameplay out of that film i think you've got a, a still think you've got a pretty unique vision there that hasn't been done in in a film yeah and i would say that that is a you know something that i would be cautious yet excited to see um <laughs> cautiously semi cautiously excited yeah cautiously excited because that's, that's think, like a raging semi yeah so i look i agree with what he's saying i think once you strip you know if you strip silent hill you know down to its very very bare bones if you take out what's good about the game which is the atmosphere the searching around for hours for a clue all the puzzles the not being able to aim and having to learn all those things and getting completely lost and 
all those sort of things, what you're left with is being chased around by a monster. Yeah. Which has worked um, on screen before. Yeah, but but you're not doing anything drastically original. You're not you you're basically just, you know, rehashing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you you basically got the fog. Am I right? But was the fog not drastically original? I don't know. I I only saw it once, so I can't. <laughs> I, I, I can't form. I could barely see what was going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So he's he's got some he's got some interesting points there. Yeah. Um, on the five, uh, uh, do you have more more points about the sort of meteor questions? Yeah. So with the you've missed my point about Lord of the Rings yet again. I don't know about yet again, but go on. <laughs> All right, so for the first time. I think for the um, first time I've missed the point about Lord of the Rings. So my point isn't that, like... You always know what way you're heading. The, you, yeah, it's that they can always just bring that back to the forefront and that is always the main goal. Right. So no matter how convoluted things get in the middle... They can always just go, oh, yeah, but remember, this is all about taking the ring there. You find out all the ramifications of not doing that and not succeeding and all the um, interplay between, you know, your main fellowship and the good versus evil, all that sort of stuff. And you can say that's as confusing or as badly written or, or whatever, you know, as much as you want. And there's too many characters and stories, blah, 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 blah. But always at the end of the day, you can just realign the whole drive of the story again by saying yeah but the whole point is getting this ring chucking it in the lava job done that's kind of what you need to know um and that's 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 what i'm saying sure i mean that felt like a housekeeping that was a little bit uninvited like i i'd basically already put the do not disturb sign on the door and you've just brought it back up um and you're basically trying to do my washing when i basically don't want you to um, but, so one thing, one thing he did say, and this, and this is going on the on the Gauntlet film, um, is the kind of dungeon crawling and the, um, the the traps and the monsters and stuff. Now, what I would say is that there is a sequence in the first Lord of the Rings, and it is about probably about an hour into the Fellowship of the Ring, where they get to the mines of Moria and they fight the cave troll and they disturb some. Uh, you know some traps and then they go across the bridge and there's the Balrog and stuff so that's I guess to me that's the essence of something like Gauntlet you know a group of people <coughs> sorry a group of people fighting against a, a bunch of orcs and different monsters in a confined area you know in fact I think I think that film did that very well so I think that's that's actually the benchmark for me I don't think any film's done that better than that sequence like a, a dungeon crawling quest yeah i i don't think you know from from when they're outside trying to get into the place to the interplay in there and the escalation of events and then the tragedy of losing gandalf and the you know emotion of all that is you know is 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 gandalf does pretty perfect uh, he, he his first form dies. Yeah, and then he comes back, and he's 
as the T one thousand. Sorry, the the G one thousand. He's done the Daz doorstep challenge. Metal wizard. He's done the Daz doorstep challenge, and he comes back, and he's got a wicked white robe on. And he's like, everyone's like, "You are too bright." Fucking hell, mate! Turn it down. And then he like, it's like when you've got some new converse, and people are like, "You want to muck that up a wee bit, mate?" Look, and he basically rides wacky. up, rocks up to Helm's Deep, and he goes up to the orcs, and he gets a bit of like tomato ketchup, and he's like, "See this?" Pours it all over his nice white robes, and he's like, "Look, get this, wash it off, put it in the wash." He's there nude. He's <laughs> like, "Look," gets out of the washing machine. He's like, "Look, where's it gone?" Classic. And yeah, then classic, Shane, classic G one thousand. Shane Ritchie pops out and tells you like you need to do the challenge as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's only in the director's kit. <laughs> so, which director? <laughs> so we, Shane Ritchie. So we did actually mention uh, fighting fantasy. Uh, so did you ever read them books when you were little? No, I did not. I but by this point, I believe people will know that I'm much more of a sci-fi than fantasy person. I really, I'm not a big fantasy guy at all. But do you know? Do you know about fighting fantasy novels? Do you know the gist of them? Ollie, yeah. what, what age are you? I'm... Th- hold on, I had to think about that then. Uh, 37. 37, right? Yeah. You even, you're so old that you thought you were 38. That's what, yeah. well, that's what age you are, right? Um, right? Now, to me, fighting fantasy was not a thing that I got into because they were just... I mean, I'm not saying that they're not still In, going no, now or whatever. Suffice. But, I mean, it's just, it's not on my radar. It wasn't big when I was a kid. Okay, so a no would have sufficed there. Sure. So can I explain to you... Uh, my my response was just that of the audience who are being lost with the fantasy. Now, I mean, I I also know that you represent a portion of our audience as well, so that's fine. Okay, so a, a fighting fantasy novel. So you, you play... You play the book. Yeah. I'm just okay. I'm just going to explain. So you play the book, so you read it, and then you get to like the the setup, and then on page twelve, you have to make a decision. Uh-huh. And if you want to do, if you want to make one decision, so if you want to go um, up the stairs to the, you know, to the castle, then go to page twenty. Or if you want to take the sewer entrance, then go to sewer. page. 24 right so, so you... the equivalent when i was young was give yourself goosebumps right okay which were probably which a similar were thing but i mean it was the same thing you had to choose your path so what i'm saying is is that when ben wheatley does decide to do this that what he should do is that the whole cinema should have the films playing uh-huh so it would come to about 20 minutes in, so you've had the setup, and then it's like, if you want to do this, then go to screen two. And if you want to do this, go to screen three. So you're like constantly swapping around screens, or or and, and then when it's released on Blu-ray, you can be swapping out discs and stuff like that. So Sure. I mean, Blu-ray, you might be able to fit all of it on one disc. Who knows? Just press left and right. Well, some, yeah. Ollie, someone will know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's leave that to the eggheads so yeah. uh, 
Have you got any other points? Because mine are really to do with just the wrap up. So happy about the popcorn. Oh, mate, that's on my side. If when you say another person, like I think basically you've had one person, a bunch of indifference, and then I've had some others as well. We need a tally. We need a, a vote poll that registers what people have said on the podcast on the website. We'll get that up. I'll get an infographic on there sometime soon. That basically so that basically means never. I was just going to ask you uh, if tomorrow you could wake up in any game world whatsoever. What would it? What would it be? Um, hmm. Enter the Matrix. <laughs> that enter the that was wasn't that a is that a game? Yeah, is it good? I think you bloody brought it up on the podcast the other week. Right, Enter okay. the Matrix. Um, no, what would I like to be in? Um, gamer with um, Jared That's Butler. A film. I know of a game. It's not even a proper game. Ian, play this properly. You didn't hear Ben Wheatley mucking around like you. Okay. Um, try to think what means a lot to me. WWF WrestleMania from 1987. <laughs> yeah, and okay. And I'd be Papa Shango. Right. Um, just cause. Why not? Wouldn't you be a creator character? No, because it was 1987. It was on the Sega. You couldn't create the character. You had to be one of the ah. 80s legends from it. Oh, Okay. Right, um, I get you. Yeah, it's a good one. It had uh, yeah. still had Howard Finkel, the ring announcer. Right. Um, okay. What would you? Uh, you're waiting. You're basically waiting for me to ask you what game. Would... Well, that's normally the, you know. What the thing? That's isn't normally it? how people have conversations. Oh, well, Ollie, the... Ollie, you've just shown your true colours. No, no, that's what you do. You ask people so you get a chance to say yours. No, not so, actually. So you can just like not care about what they respond with. God, hold on. If this is what how, you said, if this, is, if this is how you uh, uh, com- converse with Mandy, then you're in deep trouble because now she knows. No. What, so what do you want for dinner? Because the funny thing is, I want chips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you'd let me finish, uh, um, I'm gonna let you finish. So what I was going to say was it's not normally how a conversation between, you know, two people, you know, would go, you know, just sitting on the sofa. But IRL. That would be how, yeah, but that would be how a conversation may go in a recorded format. Oh, right. So you're saying that you're unnatural. <laughs> do, you, do you want to know? I mean, I haven't, I haven't pre-thought one. Pre-think. <laughs> I haven't had a pre-think. I mean, it's going to be... Go on. Probably like... I think maybe like uh, Tony Hawk, Pro Skater 3. 3? Yeah. What was on the soundtrack for that? Motorhead? Uh, maybe... But maybe anthrax. Nah, anthrax wasn't on it. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't really remember. But I think number what, one. May, maybe. But um, <laughs> so you had you had an airport. Uh huh. You had Canada. You had like a kind of steel ref, steel mill the, refinery. The foundry. That's what it was called. The foundry. Yep. Um, you had a cruise liner to go and muck about on. Are you sure? Yeah, there was, there was that was a bonus level. You could unlock right. Wolverine to skate as. Yeah. But the reason why would just be because I think like in real life I've got no balance. 
and I've got no kind of like I'm just rubbish. That was the one thing I was rubbish at at the wolf room was anything that was like I had to climb over something or balance on something. I'm just useless. So at least even if I started off with the tiniest amount of stats that the game logic and the game world would allow me to have just a little bit of skill enough to start building up and uh, I think I'd enjoy that. Okay. Yeah. And is that because you're dreadfully unbalanced in real life? Like your approach yeah. to conversations? <laughs> Some, something like that. In, in your approach to knowing things? I'd never know anything. Even if I research deeply. Um, okay, are we done here, Ollie? Or are you yeah. done here? I'm fully done. Psychoanalyzing both me and my interview technique. Yeah. Pre hey, look, think. What I would say maybe is, I should uh, pre think yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, no, no, it was good. I I enjoyed it. Uh, he's a you know, it sounds like a a nice guy. Yeah, he um, seemed like a nice guy, definitely. Yeah, and he knows he's knows about films and uh, games as well, and games of a uh, you know like Half Life and stuff. He's talking about which are. Uh, you know, favourites of mine. So, uh, you know, he's he sounds like he's. We could have a good chat about games. I think the wrong person spoke the, to him. But you but know, but then Ollie, the I mean, this is what I was saying to you earlier on in the podcast was my one defence of all of it, which is, who's the one getting the interviews? Right. Okay. Um, if how, how many want, how many interviews have you been getting? If you want to contact us, you can go to uh, www.guysonfilm.co.uk uh, forward slash contact. Is that what it says on your sheet, Ollie? On your big sheet? <laughs> My 10 A4 pieces of paper. Uh, uh, each of them headed pre-think. <laughs> if you want to go and look at some overly filtered pictures of things, then go to uh, at Ultramagic on... Uh, Instagram and Twitter or go to at GOF podcast on Instagram and Twitter if you want to see our mutual account with fun things yeah <laughs> or facebook.com forward slash guys on film have you done that already yeah. no, no. Face- Facebook's the one where if you interact you know other people are going to do it at the same time if you go to the other ones you're just going to be having a little bit of a lonely time all the people all hundred plus or so of them are all on Facebook right yeah, I mean, I'm just going to spend the rest of the night sifting through all of the emails that we've uh, we've got in the last 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, I'm going to just try and moderate the fucking wild action in the comments section. Um, yeah. Just going to have to see if I can get some of these people to chill out. Yeah, same. Right, well... Uh, Talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>